With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome once again to the Across the Pondcast, the almost daily audio review of all things at the All England Club. I'm Ed McGrogan. Uh, thank you for stopping by once again. Today we are uh, reviewing the semifinals, both in the men's and the women's side. We just got finished watching. Roger Federer beat Andy Murray in easily one of Federer's, in my opinion, one of the best matches uh, he's played, period, and certainly one of, if not the best match that he's played you know, over the last five years where we've watched Federer you know, since 2010, since, he, since his run of major wins definitely came to... Um, and and at least you know streaks of wins, at in early 2010, uh, we've you know we've seen a mixed bag from Federer at the majors altogether. Um, we've seen Federer struggle really for the first time at the Slams. You know his his semifinal streak ended um, at, at Roland Garros years ago to Robin Soderling, and really ever since that was taken you know ever since the uh, Toothpaste was let out of the uh, toothpaste dispenser. There, we've you know it hasn't been the great great shock to see Roger Federer struggle, particularly even in the earlier rounds of slams. Uh, we've seen him lose in the second round. Uh, we've seen him, you know, to contrast that, we've seen some really great play from Federer at slams. We one thing we haven't really seen, at least in my opinion is a match like he had today against Murray that in all seriousness and you know without hyperbole you know recalled those those days from 2004 to 2007 that era that any fan of the game cites as you know when we saw Federer at his absolute peak and today against Murray to me was one of those days it was it was that day that Federer fans probably have kind of always hoped for. Um, it was a, to me, almost a near flawless performance. Um, even though, of course, this ended seven five seven five six four, you know that really speaks to, you know, of course how well Murray played. And I thought Murray played a great, you know, a great great match here. Um, but it also spoke to how, you know, just the level that Federer had to display to, in spite of all that, beat him in straight sets. Um, you can hardly even remember error, unforced errors by Federer. There was only 11 of them the whole match. Um, you know, I'll run down really the stats that that tell the story 
if you if you didn't catch it or if you saw it you, in a match like this even after watching it you you look at the stats and they, when they still remain that impressive it it's kind of says something. Federer, you know, the big story, and as he said after the match, was his serve. Um, it was a devastating shot to Murray, who, as we all know, is one of the game's best returners. But he, you know, Federer really negated that huge advantage from Murray. And the ability for Murray to make each point a really taxing exercise for Federer. There were plenty of evidences of that at times where we saw those I think points that have come to define Murray as such a great player in his own right where he does his best work uh, but you know when Federer hits 20 aces when he makes 76% of first serves when he wins 84% of first serve points when he offers just one break point when he's never broken and when he hits 56 winners to 11 unforced errors, um, it's a match that, particularly if he goes on to win Wimbledon, that is going to be remembered as you know one of the best um, he's played. I, I really do mean that because, uh, first off, you know, coming into this with me spewing all these Federer, um, you know, pions here. Remember, I did pick Murray to win this tournament, and early in the first set of this match, I, you know, there there were times when I, and not that I have, you know, an interest in this, but I, ha, you know, I watched I watched that set, and I was like, you know, as well as Federer was playing, I was seeing some signs from Murray that kind of led me to make that pick before the tournament. Um, when Murray can dig in and play Federer kind of on on his terms um, and along this this he's very hard to beat in a in a long baseline baseline exchange, particularly against Federer, who over the years has just has not been simply put as consistent as he was in those peak years that we talked about. You inevitably saw a forehand that went astray. You know, the backhand in particular, you couldn't expect that to hold up shot after shot. But today, you know, Federer's backhand was tremendous. It was a, it was hit, you know, it was hit hard. It was hit wherever he really wanted to. Um, the slice backhand was there too. That was a big part of this match that shouldn't be overlooked in how well he served. Um, is the effect that the slice had of... Um, a sort of putting the rally, a different spin on the rallies, and B um, the defense that Federer played against Murray. He still had to play a lot of defense in this match. Um, that uh, I, you can say that for returning serve, um, where the slice, you know, backhand chip, and you know, digging out some wide serves. That was a big part of of keeping Murray, you know, tested on service games. He was certainly tested more than Federer was on serve. Um, but, it, you know, overall it was, it was Federer, Federer pulled the trigger, you know, often, and usually if it wasn't a winner, it was, you know, it was leading to, you know, a put away at net or sort of a forced error on Murray's side. Um, you know the big the the big point of this match, of course, was you know after we had a after we had a first set where it was just one break, you go to the second set, 
and it's the uh, it's the five four game. Murray serving, and he goes down triple break point, triple set point. Um, you kind of you know at that point you you figure you're giving Federer three chances. You can't imagine Murray is getting out of this okay. He manages to he manages to save five set points in fact on in what was you know I think about a f- close to a 15 minute game where we saw you know the best tennis from Murray but this was hardly an this was hardly Federer just choking up on set points it was you know just outstanding tennis from both guys um, the one thing to remember about that game which may be overlooked because there was just so many points in it and so much great shot making overall was Murray going for a big not a not necessarily a big second serve it caught the line but it was certainly you know not a safe second serve he and this is at love 40 uh, he he curls it in a lot of spin catches the back line actually aces Federer um, but that was an inch, you know, a couple inches from going out and, and really having that not be the dramatic game that it turned out to be. Uh, so, you know, eventually Murray ends up holding this, and you certainly had to think that if there was if there was any way that Federer was going to be rattled or the match could turn from what we saw, you know, it, it, that type of game had the potential to do it. You know, the crowd, which... I thought was I thought the crowd was very pro Murray overall. I, I'm just you know, making an observation. I'm not critiquing anything by any means. Um, but throughout the match, I saw you know fairly tepid applause early on when Federer won the first set, and you know you really got the sense that I I do think the majority of this crowd was pulling for Murray, and you know they're gonna be they're gonna be just as much behind Federer in the final against Djokovic, but. I did, you know, I did sense more of a Murray support on Friday, uh, but the big thing to me was after that game, Federer holds at love, and um, I, you know, if you follow me on Twitter at, at, at Ed McGrogan, you, you know, a lot of these points that I that I'm that I made at the moment, I'm going to make here. Uh, that's the sort of the dirty little secret of uh, many writing writers and their podcasts. It's, you will get a little repeat from the the uh, the Twitter account, but it 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 makes sense because that's what you're thinking at the moment. That's what you want to expand upon later on. Is you? I mean, I think you can make the argument. Certainly, have the talk that the Federer's hold at love after such a a you know a tough game to take. You get five set points to come and go. It's 15 minutes long. But his holding at love was just as important as Murray, you know, getting out of that jam there. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, the, the next game after that, Federer finally does break Murray on his sixth set point to win that set 7-5. So, you know, a few minutes earlier, you think that the, the game after Murray has that miraculous hold, it's going to turn. In fact, it's, the, it's two games later after Federer has a great hold of his own. And, you know, this is still tight all the way to the end, 6-4 in the third. Um, it reminded me of a match that I watched in person at the 2007 U.S. Open where, you know, this was a, I, I saw Federer at one of his best matches for sure. He beat Roddick 7-6, 7-6, 6-2 at the Open where, 
Andy Roddick threw everything he had at Federer. He, you know, there was no breaks to serve through two sets, uh, just hardly anything between the two guys, and Federer still manages to beat him in straights. Coincidentally, another Andy and somebody's playing in their front of their home crowd. But this match did remind me a little of that, where we saw great tennis from both guys, but we saw Roger Federer at his, you know, at or near his best at 33 years old. And to me, going into the final, there actually is a lot of pressure on Federer. I think that, especially after witnessing this result from the outside perspective, from his own perspective, I think he, I think he really feels like he's got to cap this off with that, with that title, the 18th Slam, that's really eluded him for for three years now. It was at the 2012 Wimbledon that he last won against Andy Murray, um, and I think he, I think he really feels like he's got to do it. Not not that he. Not that I'm saying that he can't win a major after if he doesn't win on Sunday. I think you'd be absolutely crazy to say that after what you see now. But this is one of the this is Federer, you know, at this stage of the tournament, Federer has that big win, which often we've seen slams where Federer really mows through the about the first four or five rounds, but just just can't do it against one of his main main rivals at the end. This, you know, this is a different story. This is him beating Murray who he's on, he was only 12 and 11 against going into the match. Um, and I think he feels like he's got it he's got to cement this with with the win in the final. Um, and now, you know, as for Djokovic who earlier today had no trouble with Richard Gasquet. He had trouble early on, uh, for sure. But this match ended pretty conventionally like I thought it would. I just, it still surprises me how Stan, after what we've seen from him, was not able to, to really put Gasquet away in the quarters. But to me, and you know, some of you, who knows if you're listening or not, but I did make mention the last time on the podcast of how the draw really broke in Djokovic's favor at Wimbledon. You know, to me, there's no argument that. I mean, he got unquestionably an easier semifinal challenge than he would have if he had to play Vavrinka, who, of course, he has so much recent history with. Um, and Djokovic took advantage of that. I mean, he, this was not, you know, if you, by contrast, this was anything but peak Djokovic, what we saw today. But he got more comfortable as the match went along against Gasquet. Um, it, you know, to me, for him to get out of that first set, which he won in a tiebreaker, was was very important because, you know, if it if it does turn into a four or five set match, you you can sort of, you can sort of you can definitely see Djokovic still winning it, obviously, but you can see it turning into one of these, you know, sort of really difficult Djokovic battles that he has been known for over the years, uh, known for winning too, but but you know to go in at, at at this late stage of the slam, you do want to see if you're a Djokovic fan to him to kind of take care of business as he's done, you know, going into what is going to be the toughest match he'll play this uh, week, you would think, against Federer. Um, you know, Djokovic 7-6, Gasquet, I think, you know, a fantastic run, obviously. Uh, but Djokovic, you know, number one versus number two. This is a repeat of last year's final. 
Um, you know, two of the big four again in the Wimbledon final. I've made points about this too that Wimbledon for me is just, you know, it's the show me event of where things stand in the game. And we're left with Djokovic and Federer, one and two in the world. It's a. Uh, it's a match that uh, you know tennis could have only really hoped for, and uh, and they get it. And it's a it's a super tough call to make where it goes. It's yeah, it has to be kind of a pick 'em, I would think, at the books in Vegas and places like that. Um, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be I I hope a really good one. Um, it's a huge match for Federer, as I've mentioned. You know, would would add to that title, that you know, that Slam record, and would you know get him? I think something that he's been looking for for a while. Um, and for Djokovic, you know, he wins this, he goes to nine Slams, three Wimbledon's. He's keep in mind he's reached the past three Wimbledon finals for the last five, turning into one of the you know the great grass court players. Period. Um, it would give him three Wimbledons. It give him one over, you know, it give him a def- a title defense at the All England Club. Give him two wins there over Federer, who is obviously one of probably the greatest Wimbledon player of all time. Uh, there's just so much at stake for both guys here, and uh, and you know we get quite a final to talk up to, look forward to on Sunday. Um, that's where the men's, you know, the men's stand at this point. Um, for the ladies, you know, we have Serena taking on Garbine Muguruza. Uh, that was that was what I thought would happen. You know, I never, I really still didn't think that Maria Sharapova would get blitzed this badly by Serena uh, yesterday on, on Thursday. Um, you know, just a match. You know, in contrast to Federer and Djokovic, kind of a match you want to see. You know, it's it, Maria and Serena at this point is just a match you don't want to see. It's it, it just there is there has been no. It just seems like there has been no growth, no sort of nothing has been building in these matches to even suggest that Sharapova has it against Serena. The, you know, the double faults which have really sort of characterized her game when it comes to matchups that she has trouble with. Those reared their heads again. She had, excuse me, she had three in the opening game of the match, I believe. Um, had some very ill-timed ones. There was one down break point. I want to say set point. I'm trying to recall, but I know there was, I think, two of them on break point. And Serena just continues just to just to make her way toward toward incredible history here. Um, you know, she's one win away from four slams at, at once. You know, in the past 10 months, that would be collecting, if you go back to the U.S. Open last year, um, to go from 17 slams to potentially 21 um, could could tie, Gro- could tie Groff at the U.S. Open with 22 and complete a, a calendar year Grand Slam. Um and there's no reason to pick against that. There's absolutely zero reason to pick against that. It's futile to. It could happen, but the, you you can make almost no you can make almost nothing to back Muguruza. And and it's not to say that this match couldn't go three sets. Um, 
I think there's a very good possibility it could turn out much like the French Open final. I, you know, in the in the Serena versus Maria semifinal yesterday, when Serena was closing it out, I a few games from the win, I said that it would it would surprise me. Certainly wouldn't shock me, but it, it would be surprising if Serena got through this without any sort of drama because because she hit in almost. In many of her wins at the majors this year, there's always been this episode of Serena overcoming some adversity, usually late in a match, and she's done it every time. But, but you know, we didn't really see that against Sharapova. There was kind of a there was a moment where I you thought it could go that way uh, in the late in the second set. But I could, you know, I could definitely see that happening against Muguruza because you know, there's no pressure on 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 Garbine at all, um, and she can hit a huge ball. She can hit a great forehand. Um, you know, we saw that. You know, we saw that in her semifinal. You know, throughout that one against Radwanska, she, you know, just wipe, you know, wipe the court with her to start the match up a set in 3-1 until things really got, really turned completely. You know, from a set in 3-1, Rodwanska wins next six games to go, and then, you know, then we kind of had that match, uh, which eventually, you know, Muguruza goes on to win. Uh, but you you saw the power that she can, that she can, that she has. We've seen it against Serena at the French Open last year, too. You know, Muguruza, you know, has beaten Serena at a slam. Um, there is a lot to like about Muguruza in this match, no doubt about it. But it would be a colossal, colossal surprise if this was anything but a Serena win. Um, it could be a cakewalk. It could be a, a very difficult two-setter. It could be a, you know, it could be a three-setter in any variety. But there is, there's. Almost no way I don't see Serena, you know, completing this here, and and then we're talking about something just extraordinary, as if it hasn't been already for her. Um, you know, Radwanska, for for her, this is kind of like Gasquet in my. It it was a big, you know, for her her stage in this in her career. This was a you know, it, it was a letdown for sure, considering the stage she was at. Uh, to not take advantage of a, a pretty young opponent. However, considering where Radwanska was earlier this year in terms of just her, you know, what she was bringing to the game, um, this has to be a, a positive result for her. I think a very positive result for her. And uh, and we're left with, you know, we're left with, you know, kind of, and and I think the main, I think the main thing about why I say beyond what Serena can do is for all that Muguruza has done. She's beaten Serena to slam. She's played on center court. She's overcome some adversity on center court. She has big shots. She's never played in a grand slam final. And I think that is I think that is a huge difference when you get to that point. We've seen it many times on the men's side where someone is playing Rafa, Federer, Djokovic, um, We've seen it on the women's side many times when someone's playing Sharapova or Serena, players that have won multiple slams and have been have been in this situation many times. Um, it's a totally different, uh, totally different juncture, and 
one that I feel like will will kind of hit Muguruza. Um, we'll see how she reacts to it, but I would be I'd be very surprised if Serena didn't a win the match and also win the first set of the match. I think it can kind of go in that, in a variety of directions from there. But I do expect kind of a quick start from Williams, and uh, from that point, I I eventually expect her to win. Um, So with that said, uh, that will wrap up this edition of the Across the Pondcast. Uh, You know, like with the semifinals here and the quarterfinals, I'm going to come back for one last one after both finals have wrapped up. Um, I've enjoyed doing these. I'm glad to see some good reception from you guys we're definitely going to do these during the u.s open i'll probably try to do them a little bit you know as i'll be at the open uh we'll definitely have a new name for this of course but uh there's a lot more i can do with it um you know being at the event so uh i'll I'll get brainstorming about that but this has been good for wimbledon um and uh Glad to give you my thoughts on this outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes. So tune back in next time for the Across the Podcast. Tweet me any questions you have at Ed McRogan, E-D-M-C-G-R-O-G-A-N. And we'll talk then. Thank you again for listening to Tennis.com. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.